That's an exciting song to sing, um, one that, um, one that, um, that I don't know if, if we're thinking about what we're saying, if we really um, think of the power of the name of Jesus. We invoke that power on a regular basis in prayer. We, uh, we speak to God in the name of Jesus. Um, it should be in a, in, a, in a ceaseless way in our lives, right? We're to pray without ceasing. Um, in our response to prayer this morning, um, thinking about how important the name of Jesus is, um, is, is undeniable. Um, what a blessing we have this morning to be able to, to speak of, to sing of, to recall the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our lives. And spend some time this morning refocusing what our spiritual purpose is, what our living sacrifice is, what our response is in this moment and moving forward. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And to be ceaseless in prayer may sound a little overboard, may seem a little impossible, and for some you may say, that's quite ridiculous. How could I pray all the time? And I think maybe we have um, we've oversimplified what prayer is, not its power or its purpose, but, but when or how we pray. We've limited that to just formal places, specific time frames, and opportunities before meals and bedtimes in a worship setting. And we've limited that access to communic- in communication to God to all circumstances of our lives. Tim, 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 I'm glad you mentioned our young um, graduates and our youth in that prayer. Um, our, our, our young folks need prayed for all the time. Why do we know that as adults? Because we were once young and we understand the struggle. Maybe the, maybe the temptations are different and, and the, the culture's changed, but we understand there's a lot going on in the lives of our young people. Young people, our adults need prayed for. Why? Because we don't have a clue what we're doing with you. We're trying our best, and we have a sense of we've done this before, maybe with an older sibling or with, uh, with someone in our lives. We've seen it modeled to us, but in, in these in, in, in individual circumstances, it's a little more difficult. And God bless the new mothers and those who are trying to, to sort it out all for the first time, right? We need God in our lives. We're here for that purpose. We were here last week to talk about the importance of song and worship and the pursuit of God. And we referenced Christ in my life as this one that picks me up from the depths whenever I've lost faith, whenever I've struggled in that journey. Whenever I don't exactly do what I sing about, or I go about my business without talking to God about it today. So pursuing God is an important thing. God pursues us, church. God loves you. I had someone ask me today how God could love people who, um, who are involved in certain types of sin. And I said, well, God loves everyone. Now, not everyone chooses to love God back. Not everyone chooses to evoke the name of Jesus in their lives, in their prayer, in their focus, in their decision-making. Not everyone thinks their life as some sort of offering to someone greater than themselves. In fact, most people that we deal with in the world, their offering is what's for themselves, not for someone else. 
So the pursuit of something greater than ourselves seems kind of countercultural. It doesn't seem like it makes sense in our world. But in a kingdom world, in one that which we think about God first and ourselves secondary to all other things, pursuing God with everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we do, it makes a lot more sense. I, I was able to sit in on Elijah's class this morning um, with, the, with some of our youth, and we talked about what it means to be a man of God. We had an open conversation because I don't know if any of us have it quite figured out, but we have some, some ideas or some desires of what that could look like. And for me, being a man of God is all about pursuing God. It's following godly men and, and their example in my life to draw me closer to what that could mean, but it becomes personal at some point where it's then my responsibility. When I choose to go off to school and to college and I'm away from my parents, am I going to go to church on Sunday morning? Am I going to wake up for Bible class? Am I going to choose to be involved in some of those extra activities that will help guide my spiritual life? We'll be faced with choices. And the pursuit of God in prayer slows those choices down. Ceaseless prayer means that in every decision, we're taking into account what God's opinion is on the matter. Above our own. Not God's opinion compared to my own, but mine compared to God's opinion first. That's tough, because that's not something that people are going to tell you you must do. That seems above and beyond in your faith. There's a simpler way to come to Christ and be a faithful believer in God. Does it have to be all the time? And I'd say pursuing God in all circumstances makes rejoicing always and being content possible. Without God in that equation, it's tough to rejoice. It makes it difficult to want to sing. Without God in the equation, then who are we praying to? Who is advising us? Without God's Spirit in the equation, why would we have a desire for anything else than ourselves? Pursuing God in prayer is important because it honors Him, it glorifies Him, and it connects us to God this morning. That seems like a bold statement because how in the world do any of us feel like we should be connected to God? What have we done to make us worthy to be listened to by God himself? We have to know who we are this morning. When we know who we are and whose we are, we can pray with the perspective of power. And, I, I, and there is power in prayer, church. And if you're not praying often, you're not praying intentionally, if you're not praying for the things that you're hoping for and the things that you are already receiving, you're missing an opportunity for God to be powerful in your life. And a relationship through communication is a powerful relationship. Have you ever tried to be friends with someone that you don't talk to very often? And then you meet up maybe 20 years later, maybe it's a high school reunion. I saw someone that had their high school reunion in my news feed um, the last week. And 20 years of um, not communicating and not being in um, connection, you feel like people change. 
you don't even know who I am anymore. How would they know, right? How would they know? Communication is important in relationships because if we're not in constant communication, then we grow apart. Then we no longer have a context of who we are. And in our faith, communication with God is so vital. It it gives us context of who we are and who we belong to. We are developing an idea of who we are, who we want to become, or who we've been for the majority of our lives. Right? That could be a parent. That could be someone who works in a certain field or industry. That could be a new student, a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister. But when we defined ourselves as God's first, then as a husband, a godly husband, as a godly friend, as a godly brother or sister, those relationships change significantly. There's power in that in our faith. We're bought with a price in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. We're, talked, we're told that our bodies are a temple that we've received from God through Christ Jesus. We are not our own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, we're to honor God with our bodies. We're created for a purpose. We're bought with a price. We are joint heirs with Christ. Not only are we connected to Christ through his sacrifice, and that defines who we are, but there's something greater than just living a life in Christ. There's a future waiting for us with Christ. When we're led by the Spirit, we're called children of God. We're adopted into sonship. We're a part of a family. And we receive all the rewards that God, the most powerful being ever, has waiting for us in heaven. And if we're children, we're heirs, heirs to God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's something, it's an interesting concept. Oftentimes, generationally through parents, if parents or um, in, in a culture maybe, um, people work for a certain goal and they achieve it. And that first generation of kids or people who are experiencing that, they see the glory, but they remember the struggle. And then you get the next generation who didn't experience the struggle, but are still experiencing the glory. They have a different perspective of where glory comes from. And fast forward one more generation, it's assumed glory without struggle is the perspective. And it's false. So oftentimes in churches, churches branch out and they start their own congregation and community. And they understand the struggle of, of that grassroots effort, but they see the glory in that first generation, and it means so much. In the next generation that church comes through, and they've heard the stories, they've seen it themselves, they understand the glory, they participate in the suffering, but it's a little easier, right? And if we're not careful to continue to advance in the struggle, then we'll forget why the glory is so valuable. We talk about Jesus Christ and his death every Sunday. And we reference that as a glorious moment in our faith. But do we share in participating in the struggle, in the suffering, in the cross-bearing ourselves? To be co-heirs, yes, we are co-heirs to the glory, but also church to the suffering. And it's important for us to remember that perspective. Because just talking about the good things feels good. But we lose sight of how to get to the glory. 
We have power through prayer. We talked last week about singing with someone. If, if anyone is happy, singing songs of praise. And then how that grows, you, grows in relationship with one another. If anyone is in trouble, pray with them. If anyone among you is sick, let the elders of the church pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the Lord's name. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Not only can we sing together, but we can pray together in each other's sorrows. We can pray together in each other's joys as well. We can work together in, in comforting and in, in, in believing that God has a hand in the things that are out of our control. We can also confess our sins to each other and pray for those. In your small group guide, if uh, you grab one of those, either if you grabbed one of those on the way in or on the way out, um, we have a small group meeting here at 5 o'clock this evening. And it talks about why we pray. And one of the challenges in the application portion of the small group guide is to talk about specific prayer requests that you would need so that we can be involved in praying for each other. The small group setting is, is there so we can celebrate together and enjoy fellowship together, sing together in a way, but also to pray for one another. And if we don't confess our struggles or our sins with one another, then how can we know how to help comfort each other? How can we know how to pray for each other? The relationship portion, not only with God, but each other, needs to be intentional and ceaseless. Because you cannot bear the burdens of this world alone. You can't. You can't. And without Jesus Christ, we're hopeless. But in Christ, and in the fellowship of believers of Christ, we have power through relationship and through prayer. We need to know, yes, who we are, but we need to know that God listens to us. That seems, that seems almost too... For me, it seems almost too good to be true. That God would listen to the things that I have to say. You know, there are times, and I, I speak often, right? I, I preach on a weekly basis, and there are times where I think, who wants to listen to what I have to say? I'm not the foremost authority on this. In fact, in our youth class today, I said, there are people who do this much better than I do. I challenge you to find those people. Look around. There, there are some really good ministers, really good preachers out there. And I don't want to say that I, I, I don't work hard and I don't try to do a good job. That's not the case. But there are times where I don't feel worthy of God hearing my voice. What is it about that? We've all been there. Maybe in the moment we don't feel worthy because we know we're not, because we're living in sin. What if it's a sin that we've, we've, we've overcome, something we've moved beyond, but we still feel, we still feel defined by it? You know, our lives are constantly about someone trying to make us feel like um, we're unworthy, or maybe we're defined by something that, uh, that is not what God expects. Have you ever tried to talk to someone, and you assume they're listening, and they're not really paying attention? The quote before you says, there's nothing worse than 
than spilling your heart out to someone who's not giving their undivided attention. How do you know? At the end of the conversation, they kind of look at you like, what? Oh, you're talking to me? Or they drift off? Or you, or you ask or you talk about a specific thing, and then later you could tell they, they weren't paying attention because they missed the opportunity. You speak of a certain thing that really you're looking forward to, and that time comes, and it's like you never had the conversation. Church, we not only have God's heart, but we have his ear as well. We have God's presence in our lives. He knows the specifics about you, every hair on your head, and every desire and motivation that you have in your heart. He knows what you're capable of, good and bad, and he has a plan for you. He's not just letting your words bounce off some some message board and, and maybe choosing to attend or pretending like he never saw the message in the first place. God responds. We have his heart and his ear. In in John 11, when Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead, there's a a moment here he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He said, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. I love this moment. There are people standing around, and he says, Father, I thank thank you that you have heard me. And in this open dialogue, he says, I knew that you always heard me, but I'm saying this so the people standing around understand it. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful moment that he shows his faith in God, but what he's doing is he's encouraging those witnessing in his prayer time. He doesn't necessarily need to have this conversation again with God, but he's having it in a public way so that other people will know what his relationship with God is built on. A faith that God can raise the dead. Jesus didn't need to put those words out there again. But he did so that people could witness the power of prayer. In in Mark chapter 11, he encourages his followers, his disciples, that through prayer they can move mountains. They could do extraordinary things. He says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Living in Christ assures us that God is listening. Living in Christ assures us that God is powerful. Paying attention to the words of Christ show us that he believes that, but sometimes he says it so we can believe it. Not that he needs to hear it again, so that the people around can hear it for the first time. Or get, the, or get the proper perspective, right? Living in Christ assures us that God is listening in even bigger things than we can imagine. The mountain moving things, God is listening to those things. Now, if you're going to go out and pray that the, the, the Paoli Pike and the, and the knobs move closer to Jeff to give us a closer view or better view, I don't know if that's going to happen this afternoon. But God does big things, and still does, church. And if, if you're assuming that those big things are only going to happen like you read about in Acts and at Pentecost, you may be shortchanging what God is capable of to do through your life through lesser miraculous ways. But being a listener is miraculous in this culture. Being patient is miraculous in this culture. 
Loving people who disagree with your faith and are your enemies is miraculous in this culture. Being kind to people who choose to live in sin and being open to a conversation about your faith is miraculous in this culture because not everybody has the time or the attention or the patience for that as people of faith. Choosing to be ceaseless in your prayer and your understanding that God is worth worshiping at all times as a living sacrifice. If something is greater than myself, that is a miraculous mindset in this culture. Because our culture gives us every right to put ourselves as, as God, as the most important thing around us. So if we know who we are, and we know that God is listening, then how do we know God is speaking? Have you ever had someone talking in a crowd, and you didn't realize they were talking to you? Maybe it's an unfamiliar voice. Maybe you're in a restaurant and there's a number of people and the crowd is big and the server's trying to get your attention specifically, but you've never had a conversation with them before. Well, how do you know the, the conversation is meant for you? Now, there's some body language. Obviously, they're going to be looking at you. Obviously, they're going to try to, to, to kind of cue you into that. But you have to be attentive. You have to know the circumstances. For us... God's language is found in Scripture. Scripture is the wisest and most powerful weapon in our prayer arsenal. Scripture is the wisest and most powerful weapon in our prayer arsenal. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You want an effective weapon in your battle, in your faith struggles, in your, in, your, um, in your Christian walk? The Word of God. The Word of God. God's Word accomplishes its purposes. In Isaiah 55, it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return without it watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so that my Word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is active, alive, and purposed. And what's said in God's word is going to happen in God's time. If you think, if you think that God's word is not true, if you wait long enough, you're going to find it to be true. If you look hard enough, you're going to see the examples. You're going to see the truth in God's Word. And for the world around us that wants to refute and tell you that the Word of God is some outdated, ancient text that's not relevant in our culture anymore, just wait. I'm confident that at the judgment, everyone will know the truth of God's Word. If you look from the beginning of God's Word to the end of God's Word, the purposes and how God achieves His goals are laid out before you in God's Word. So how does God's Word and prayer have anything to do with one another? Prayer opens that door to a deeper relationship with God, and God's Word gives us a language in which to pray. Jesus used Scripture often. Matthew chapter 4, during the temptation in the wilderness, He used Scripture to battle against Satan himself, 
in um, the following chapters of 5 through 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses Scripture to not only show the direction that the church was heading, but to remind through the Old Testament Scripture that God's purpose was in that direction from the beginning of time. And to remind people who believe the Word of God that they may be, that they may be misinterpreting their motives behind the Word. Jesus used Scripture We are to use Scripture. Prayer opens the door to a deeper relationship with God. Evoking Scripture, the Word of God, into our prayer time allows us to pray in a way in which we don't know exactly what to say. But we have the example set before us. Jesus gives an example in Luke, also in Matthew. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, when you, when, you, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sinned against us and lead us not into to temptation. We get this beautiful example of a, of a prayer that we've heard often in our lives. The small group God takes, this, takes you to that place where you heard it first and has that conversation this evening. Jesus gives a great example of evoking a more powerful one than ourselves, the Father in heaven, to allow his kingdom to be our focus so that we will will receive what we need and we will prioritize what's most important, removing sin and forgiving others and, and evoking prayer in our lives so that temptation and distraction and all the other things Don't overtake us. He says later, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Prayer is that knock on the door. It's a knock on the door to God to say, hey, these are some things that I'm seeking that God already knows about. So in a relationship, whenever you know you're thinking something, and the person that you're in relationship assumes that you're thinking something, how do you connect the dots? You communicate it. You speak it. You don't just assume that someone's reading your mind, but you go the extra step to have the conversation. And conversation with God lets him know you not only care what he thinks, but you want to know more about it. It's not an assumption that, yeah, God, I'm supposed to do good things and I'm going to try my best. But it's, God, I'm seeking these things. You're seeking these things through me. Guide me in how to be the best that I could be. It's a conversation. It's a mutual respect that God's word and the relationship and how we speak to him are important in our lives. It reminds us by praying and communicating to God that he is more important in our decision-making than ourselves. And it safeguards every decision that we make. So we're not questioning, did I do the right thing? If I talk to God about it, and I see what he says about it in his language, in the word, then my decisions, they're going to be in the right direction. So as we close this morning, 
In our invitation, I want you to reconsider what responding means. I want you to reconsider your purpose. I want you to think again about the power of God that we spoke about, that we sung about this morning. I want you to think about what it means to walk with God on a regular basis. Because we're at that point with some of our young folks today. We're going to celebrate a class of, of, um, of youth group, of network kids, going out into the world on their own. Now, we know that they're not going to be by themselves, right? Our parents aren't just going to let them go. There's still some connection there. There's still a responsibility as a church in our friendships, in those relationships. But it is that moment in our world where we mark that leaving the nest, going off to work on their own, going to school on their own, making decisions on their own. It really starts to define what being an adult means. So pray for them. But young men and women that are going to be taking that adventure, don't go on it without God, please. Don't think that you can wander off and you're going to be just fine. Even at the best Christian universities, and I've been to one of those, you still need to pray. Take this seriously this morning. Because God opens doors to every situation that you're going to struggle with and gives you a way out. And through Jesus Christ, we have power, we have purpose, and we have something glorious waiting for us. Talk to God about it. When you struggle, let Him know that you cannot wait. When you're torn between the decisions of this world and the kingdom, tell Him, it, it would be greater for me, God, to die and be with you, but while I'm living here, I want to live for you. Listen to His people talk about that relationship. And look to Jesus Christ Himself, who not only evokes Scripture to battle Satan, but put Scripture into context with purpose from God, so that Scripture wasn't our excuse to misuse our Christianity. But Scripture was a way to fulfill God's plan in our lives. Because the world needs context in Scripture that looks a lot like Jesus. If you have a need this morning, we have our elders in the back to talk specifically, privately about those needs. If you have a public need, it's a decision making. Maybe it's that time you say, you know what, I'm gonna, all these young men and women are going to be making these big decisions in their lives. I want to decide to be a Christian this morning. I want to be baptized. I want to I I I say that the Lord, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. That he came and lived it perfect, and I want to try my best to be a part of that story. And I want to confess the things that have kept me from God in my life. I want to do away with those things, repent of those things, and I want to choose to be buried in water and let the Spirit lead my life from that point on. We've got decisions to make all the time. Responding is not just a focus for this year. It's something that you're not going to be able to avoid in your life. You may be able to hide from responding to the world here at church at times, but when you leave here, the world still exists. We still have to respond as Christ.